Okay. Hello, beautiful people. And welcome to, I don't know, I think this is kind of like our first talk show of infertility. And I think not just infertility, we're going to be talking a lot of things that are just connected to the fertility world. Um, I have some beautiful ladies with me. They come from all over the world. We are literally not even on the same well, continent, two people are on the same continent, two people are in the same country, but I'm going to send them around and introduce themselves. So let's just go down the line. I've got uh, Devin. My name is Devin Baeza. I am the fertility finance coach, and I help women make, save, and manifest money for fertility treatments. Lovely. Thanks for coming along. And now we've got Sarah. I'm Sarah Clark. I'm a fertility coach and help couples prepare their body for a healthy baby by using the tools of functional medicine. Oh, awesome. And we have Emma all the way in the United Kingdom. Hello, I'm Emma Brzezinski, yes, and I am in England, and um, I am a fertility coach and also a therapist, I've got a therapy background. Oh, thanks for joining us, and we have Robin, who is um, at the ass end of the world, really, and down in Perth. <laughs> so my name is Robin, and I'm from sunny Western Australia. I have the Fertility Warriors podcast, and we're all about taking women from that really stressed out and hopeless state to feeling calm confident and empowered during your fertility journey. Oh, thank you. And this is us. We kind of came together over the internet, obviously, and we're really trying to make some big waves in our community. We all have um, personal stories of infertility. We all had major struggles. I think um, if you put them all together, we go over two or three decades. <laughs> And we are all very lucky after putting in some really hard work and a little bit of money um, to have children. So we have come out the other side, um, achieving our goals in all completely different ways. So we have come together and we're going to talk about some, some topics that just need to be shouted about. Um, we feel and bring our community, you know, a better voice, um, especially today, we are going to be talking about um, what it's like to go to your doctor's office or any kind of practitioner that is helping you through your fertility journey and kind of just not listening to you and um, really not giving you the all the tools that are out there in this modern world to help you tackle what is really going on with your fertility. I did a post on Instagram a while ago talking about how a lot of doctors are telling us that we now need to have three miscarriages before we have you know, kind of some basic um, like tests done to see if anything else is going on. I know Devin, in your journey, you were told this. Yeah, I was. I had been at the same fertility clinic for, I think it was almost two years and our fourth IUI worked. We were over the moon excited. Um, and I was really naive because like I had, I didn't even know what HCG meant when they called me and said things didn't look good. I, it was the first I had ever heard of it. And, uh, we did end up losing that pregnancy and I was young and I, I understand by their standards, uh, it probably wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it happens all the time, 
But for me, it was life changing. It was devastating because beyond the loss of that little, um, you know, baby to me, it was also the loss of all of the money we had spent, all of the time, um, you know, it, the loss was profound and I could not fathom going through it again. So when they said these things happen, we're just going to keep moving forward. You know, I went to get a second opinion and I'm so glad I did because a different doctor said, why would we wait? for this to happen two more times. We can test right away for natural killer cells. And, you know, was there a problem because your blood type, I'm A negative, I'm being RH negative. And so he was willing to do this whole battery of tests and um, it made me feel so, so much better and really a little disheartened that they took it so lightly and casually just because they see it all the time doesn't mean it's no big deal. Um, you know, it was, devastating to the point that I went to go get counseling because of it. And when I called that original clinic and said, Hey, I'm having a really hard time with this miscarriage. Like I can't get over it. I'm obsessed with it. It is interfering with my everyday life. And, um, it's, I'm really struggling. What resources do you have? They didn't have any. I said, do you have a list of counselors? They didn't have one. They said, check with your insurance. And there was no care further than blood tests and shots and things shoved up my hoo-ha. I guess that was all they were good for. You know, they had nothing else for me and it, it really changed my perspective. I've lost all sound. We can't hear you. Hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, because I muted my mic. <laughs> Go figure. Um, Robin, I know that you've had some dealings with, you know, not that care, not that you know, consistent care, like Devin was just talking about, about the mental health. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting that holistic piece, I think is what's missing. Um, and like a very similar story to Devin's um, in terms of not feeling like there was that support, but in Australia, we actually have, the industry isn't super formally regulated but they self-regulate. And part of those self-regulations are that if you are undergoing an IVF cycle, you must have a counselling session, right? But here's the thing. I'd been struggling with infertility for two years by that point. I was already a nervous wreck. The counsellor that I saw was like a 60-year-old woman who gave me some top-shelf therapy recommendations uh, like stay busy and things like that and we all know and even you know like people like Emma will know that it sometimes needs to be a bit deeper than that you need someone who can sympathize with you you know you need someone who can go with you on a deeper level I had one counseling session um, and I proceeded to start feeling worse and worse and worse before I advocated for myself and took matters into my own hands um, and it's so interesting. We have a podcast coming out in October. There was a, a piece of research done by Ohio and Rice um, Universities where they analysed 200 previous studies uh, and they looked at the link between like stress and inflammation. And so much of what we're dealing with, I feel in infertility is inflammation and chronic pain conditions like endometriosis. 
and they showed that there was a big link between both of these things like stress depression like exacerbated the inflammation that we had in our system which i feel like like all of us in this room kind of know but that traditional therapy methods didn't work they needed things like yoga like meditation like mind body programs and they then were able to reduce cortisol levels in these um, people's bodies which was then able to help reduce inflammation, chronic pain, um, you know, things like that associated with their condition. So it's a holistic approach, but, you know, around the world, um, I think we can safely agree that clinics are just not set up for the whole picture. They're there for the needles and the shots. They're not there for the holistic, uh, like, lifestyle piece. They're, like, they're missing a big chunk in the like mental space um, and organizations. So like when we look at cancer and things like that, the stress of things, um, infertility has been shown to be comparable to that of cancer diagnosis. But cancer is so much more well-funded because it's life and death. So it possibly should be. But on that same token, there's so many more organizations and resources that are set up to help people cope with that journey as well and that's missing in infertility percent i mean um infertility is kind of uh, I, I don't know for lack of a better word look at like a luxury right like when you have infertility and then you therefore need to go for more treatment it's expensive and it's a luxury because like you say it's not life or death you know can and, i chime in with that yeah because to be honest that i think that it is a matter of life and death. It's just the matter of life. So when we say that term life and death, we're talking about the importance something has to us and it's the highest level of importance. It's a matter of life and death. So when we, sometimes we are talking about that when we lose embryos, when we have miscarriages, that is the death part, but it's also the life part And creating life is just as important. And I think what you're saying is so true. It is not given that level of respect and it's not shown how important that is to our lives. Yeah, hundred percent. For our species to go on, it's, we have to, women are the ones that are procreating. And if we have that, not everyone has that need to procreate, but once you have it, you can't say it doesn't just turn off and you think about it night and day. And that's why you speak to so many women that have completely obsessed about this and gone down the infertility rabbit hole and spend their whole entire day researching and literally nothing out, everything else in their life is put on hold because all they're thinking about is I want to have my baby. 100%. It's, um, it's crazy that it's just kind of pushed to the side. Right. And I think like a lot of women's issues have been in the past and kind of still are. And I feel like that's why we need to give a voice to this because, you know, my mom definitely had some form of like major endometriosis or polycystic ovary syndrome. And when she was dealing with all that stuff, she literally got no support and ended up having a hysterectomy at 32 years old. And it's just absolutely insane that we are still you know, in this modern day with all the freaking technology we have, we're still kind of just like, oh, don't worry. It's just one of those things. Or, you know, these, I don't want to like put down doctors at all because I feel that they're obviously such an important role in our lives and in our society, but it's a very old school way of thinking. 
So just to put it out there, though, do you think that the onus should be on fertility specialists to provide the holistic picture? Do you think that it is up to them to, you know, they might be thinking, well, no, it's up to me to provide you with conventional medical treatment. I'm not here to provide you with nutritional advice. I'm not here to provide you with mental health. You need to advocate, like go out and get that stuff. I, I think know. it's like a grassroots movement where women are like, enough of this shit. I want, this is what I need for my, like, my, my fertility toolkit. They're on like, okay, I'm going to have my RE, my OBGYN. I'm going to make sure I have my counselor, make sure I have my, my nutritionist, my acupuncturist. They're going to like assemble their team. Because right now it's basically you get the diagnosis and you go, whoop right off to the clinic. But what about all the other things that are going on in your life? And to really, I think to place the, the, the woman or the couple, which I think is equally important. A lot of times we just focus on the woman, but the couple is at the, at the center and they know what works for them. And a lot of times it's just going over there and you're sitting there and like, I didn't even ask for a second opinion. I am diagnosed with premature ovarian failure. Had both my kids with donor eggs. I didn't even go for a freaking second opinion. And I'm like, I'm, Consider myself an educated, somewhat smart person. I'm like, what? I just listened to the doctor. I went, okay, this is what you know. This is this is what I have to do. And I didn't even. I was like so like brainwashed. I wasn't present. I I just was like swept away. And this is what I need to do. Whereas like, I do my podcast, get pretty naturally to have people like wake up to say like, what are we doing? Like, let's just look at this differently and think assemble your own team. That's such a good point, Sarah, because the truth is when we are listening to the doctor, first of all, we're sitting there in their giant office and looking at all their degrees on the wall and you're a little intimidated a and this is their specialty. Yeah. And you were just saying, you know, assuming they know what they're talking about. I'm here to get their opinion, which I do think comes into play. Like, there, there does come a point where you have to decide if you are, you know, um, like, am I trusting my own Google doctorate or am I trusting them? And that's why it's important to be with a doctor. And I think trust. most of us but would be here without like conventional medicine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is important. And I'm sure we had doctors that we loved and doctors we did not, and you know, not to put them all down, but you, it is your responsibility, what you were saying, Robin, about ability here that does not belong to the doctors, it belongs to you. But then I also hear what Sarah is saying, that you are in fear, you're in panic, you are just going to do what somebody who seems to know what they're talking about tells you to do, and there's no questioning um, beyond that. And that's one of the things I know I have to focus on with clients when they're making these big, expensive medical decisions, is are you in a place of fear right now versus are you in a place of, you know, interacting with your own intuition because you never make good decisions from a place of fear, fear that you're running out of time, fear that this, you know, this is your only hope. This is the only doctor who can help you. Just any decision we make in that moment can be ones we really yeah, I think we're in the middle later. of, I think we're, oh, sorry, Emma, do you want to go? Well, I was just going to say sometimes as well, it's, it, there, there can be fear, but there can also be being the good girl and, and kind of going, well, I'm going to do what I'm told because this is, this is the right thing. And, um, and for lots of people, that experience of infertility and going to see a doctor for that is the first kind of major um, medical situation. So you're not used to dealing with that and not used to having to advocate, ask questions, 
Um, and also because, as you say, you're often the subliminal message is, don't be silly, don't be hysterical, just go away, relax, obviously, because that's going to get you pregnant because you relax. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I say, I think, I think then the, the kind of good girl kicks in and you say, all right, then, well, I'll do, I'll do what you tell me to do. And like you said, Sarah, you don't even ask a question. I'm not going to ask anybody else because you've told me and, and what I should do then is go and do this. And I, I think that that isn't always the smartest thing to do. Um, and that thinking about, as Sarah was saying, thinking about what you need and what would support you in making a decision um, is, is really important, actually. To not just nod and do as you're told be a bit naughty i would say yeah like i really think we're in the middle of a huge shift we have google we have the internet we are empowered to like not to say you want to spend hours doing that but we it's a shift where the doctor is not just going in the old paradigm of you know he's in charge all that so i think that is changing and the internet has has made that happen and we we are more educated and we know what to do there's resources there and um yeah, I think there's a freaking shift with the whole old school doctor knows best. And I'm like, I'm not against conventional medicine. Basically, it's it's there, but it's that team. And it's not just the it's one they, you know, they know better, they know better than us. We, yeah, you need a team. Um, if that isn't being, like, if you're not getting all of the boxes ticked, I think there is, you know, that element that you need to go out and find your own team. Yeah. Where do you start though? You know, I'm thinking back to my journey and I mean, luckily now, <laughs> luckily, um, you know, women listening to us have us, right? Like they have our experience. They can learn from our mistakes and we can support them, you know, um, back in kind of our time, like there was literally no one you can really reach out to and say, so where, what would your, be your best advice of like, who would you find? Who would you go for? Well, I think that you're so right. Having the internet and social media nowadays is actually a huge benefit. Like there was no Facebook groups when I was doing this. I was on forums at 3 a.m., right? Like going, I mean, 5,000 pages of scrolling, <laughs> trying to find something useful. Um, the, there is so much information at your fingertips when, I mean, you literally Google something literally search a hashtag and Instagram. Um, there's, if you know what you're looking for, you know, if you know just even the key basic terms, you can find it. And what surprises me sometimes is that I still have clients who haven't done any of that. And they are still only going to their doctor and only listening. And they're not their own advocate and they're not informing themselves and being an expert in their own infertility. And I know that there's no excuse for that now. So then it, you, it usually we have to take it to the next level of what are you avoiding dealing with right now? What are you not wanting to hear, to face? Like it shows up for me, since I'm doing finances, it shows up when they um, are shoving bills in the drawer and they're not looking at how much IVF is going to cost them and they're avoiding money issues. A lot of times they will then talk about what else they're avoiding in their life. Uh, so I think that nowadays it is out there. It is so easy to find. I'm really not, I could, I could understand maybe people not being familiar with what does this mean? So for me in that moment, if one of you guys has said something about functional medicine, I would have no idea what that meant to you. 
you know, so I do think it's our job to educate um, people what we do, how we help, how this is different. I do think that part falls on us. Yeah, I agree about the education piece. That's why I think we all, you know, we do podcasts and, and try to get the word out why we're doing this talk show to have people look at things differently. So it's being able to yeah, be your own advocate and really feel what feels right for you too. So um, I, I think even in the last five years, like the, n- the amount of fertility coaches are out there and a fertility coach could mean a whole whack of different things. A fertility coach can mean someone's going to guide you through IVF. Fertility coach can mean someone that's going to look at your health. Fertility coach can mean someone that's going to look at, you know, the, the functional side. So it's very different. Um, and I guess you just find, I think you find things and I'm a planner. So when I'm going to say this, it does sound foreign to me, but this is actually how things have worked out the best for me. When you find things organically, it actually like, you'll just, and you, you're open to the signs and you're like, Oh wait, this thing showed up. Why is it? Why does it keep showing up? You know, let's dig into that a little more. You know, what, why am I being sort of follow those sort of things and to listen because they're, it's, you know, the information's there. And for me, I didn't see it. And I, th- I think if someone would have been yelling in my ear, go a different way, I'm not even sure if I would have listened. So it is, I think it is, it just is being open to things and not just like this closed-minded, like stuck in the weeds, open up. But also, I think there's an, Im- Sorry. There's an important um, element in like, if we have our fertility specialists, like I think that majority of us, majority of people out there, get to six to 12 months and then they go to see a fertility specialist. I think that when we get to that point, we need to have some self-awareness about what we're finding really hard, what's going on with our body. Like, just take a minute to sit down and think, like, how is this affecting me mentally? And how do I feel physically? So what are the like physical symptoms and things like that that I have to tune into ourselves, but then start raising that with our fertility specialists so if you were a fertility specialist and every woman came in there and said to you, great, what resources can you give me for endometriosis, please? Can you tell me the names of some people that I can go to for further information? Or people are struggling with stress. Okay, can you give me a list of recommendations? So like you did, Devon, if every person every day asks for that, the same way that we now talk about climate change and advocating, like people, like businesses respond to what we ask them for or what we want. So if we're saying to them, like, do you have acupuncture here at your clinic? Or do you have a nutritionist as part of this clinic? Like, is this part of my service? And let's be real, all of us, you could see every single one of us and still not come to the same price as an IVF cycle, I would say. Like the people who are paying, the people who get the biggest chunk of money, which is not a wrong thing, but the people who get the biggest chunk of money are the IVF clinics. They're the people that we naturally navigate to. So we tune in and we feel like actually, you know, this is what's going on with my body or this is, I'm feeling really stressed throughout this um, process let's actually ask the question to our fertility specialists. And do you know what? Some of them do though. Like there are amazing fertility specialists and reproductive 
endocrinologists out there, like we know them from Instagram, they are talking about the um, like lifestyle piece. They are talking about the stress piece. There are people, I've had numerous people recommend my podcast uh, at fertility clinics to people. And I don't know which clinics they are, but there are people out there who do it. So the more you ask, yeah, that's like that grassroots approach. As you say, you wait for the industry to change. We've been waiting the whole, you know, forever. But was people as the client, which in this case, paying all the money, you know, as they start to demand all these different services, yeah, things will start to shift. But I think, yeah, to be, um, because it is that old paradigm of the doctor knows best. Mm-hmm. Did you have something to add to that? Um, well, I was just going to say, in terms of we were saying about kind of where to find people, but I th- and I think that, Robbie just picked up on that. Well, we all have kind of touched on that in terms of finding yourself, really, because we're all we all ask the lady on the bus what we should do before we ask ourselves, you know, that kind of actually, actually, you will be getting a lot of information. You will know things like like Devon said. You might not want to hear it, but you will things will be emerging for you. You'll have things that will be appealing to you, and you you also yeah this is an opportunity to get to know yourself in a different way nobody wants that opportunity blimey i get that but um yeah i I think if you can put yourself in the driving seat and assemble your team around you the clinics being part of that team an important part of that team you are the one who is who is making the decision because i think going out to Google lands and social media and everything. There is amazing information out there, as we've said, but you can drown in it. If you're going to listen to them, to, to everybody, and we've all done it, I'm sure we've all done it. Has someone else had this? What happened for you? Um, and that can be useful, but it can also be heartbreaking. And the, the, the important thing is that that is her story. That is her story and it isn't your story. Um, and so there, there is that sense of, of kind of, of, embracing that however painful and frightening that is and it is painful and frightening but if you've got your team around you that you know you can call on to to just like you would do in in any part of in any part of life then you can then you can start to make a plan then you can start to feel more powerful and a special situation. guest to this my cat oh where is is it a he or a she <laughs> I think that, um, you know, all of you um, have brought up a very key thing, though, is that sometimes when we don't want to deal with our own BS that has absolutely nothing to do with infertility, um, that's when we shut down. That's when we don't advocate for ourselves. That's when we sit in the doctor's office and just take what they say as gold. And I know through my journey, my very long ass fucking journey, um, it wasn't until I went through two IVFs, a frozen embryo transfer, and we're talking six years that I'm like, okay, what happened in my past that I haven't fucking dealt with because I'm still listening to the doctors, even though I know, I know in my heart, in my head that they're wrong, that my unexplained infertility isn't just one of those things. And I just continued to listen and listen. And it took me a lot of money, a lot of time and a lot of heartache to go, no, 
give me the fucking test that I asked for when I first came in here. And you told me, no, you're not a candidate. You're not having reoccurring miscarriages. And it's just like, you just listen. And in reality, like I had nothing super bad happen to me in my life, but I was still dealing with some insecurities that made me believe I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I wasn't, you know, whatever enough to be to be my own hero, to go, no, I do know this. I do know what I'm talking about and putting my foot down and, you know, yeah, doing the things that I needed to do and figuring out what I needed to figure out for my journey. And when I finally did that, you know, that's when everything shifted and not even my fertility journey, but everything else in my life massively shifted. And I'm still working at it. I'm not saying I'm perfect or I've nailed down all my insecurities, but um, I think you guys are right. You know, you made some really good points is that it's more than just the infertility going on here, you know, and why we're not standing up for what we are truly, truly know is going on in our own bodies. I would hate it's understandable though that people don't, it's totally understandable because it's such a vulnerable moment, isn't it? And you are literally opening yourself up. You are literally exposing your intimate lazy parts and it kind of that that actually you, you're so vulnerable you're so vulnerable and so I think that it it's it, like you said Monica it takes sometimes it takes a while for you to get to the point to go actually now I'm getting a bit angry <laughs> and that that gives that then can give you some fuel to the fire to actually say no no I'm, I'm gonna do this differently but I think to to it's always isn't it about that kind of graciousness and compassion because it, it is tough it is really really tough and that experience is where we started from in terms of sitting in the doctor's office, getting that diagnosis, that is a body blow. And so it isn't, it is totally understandable that uh, people go to the place that they go to. Absolutely. And I hate to say that like infertility gives you gifts uh, because I, if somebody told me that in the middle of infertility, I'd have punched them in the throat. Like that's a real obnoxious thing to say, but the truth is that, it brings to light and it magnifies things that are not working in your life that you would not have had to deal with otherwise. And it presents you with the opportunities to address them. And one of those, like you were just saying, Monica, and you were talking about earlier too, Emma, is being your own advocate. And you, the fact that you've never had to do that before. And like you said, you might, this might be the first major medical concern you've had. You know, you, you're used to your mom making your doctor's appointments up till you got out of the house. And now all of a sudden you are adulting at the next level and deciding if you're gonna speak up to this doctor, if you're going to demand a test they tell you you don't need. These moments that come up and I wanna tell people, this is your opportunity to start tapping into your mama bear instincts because you become a mother the moment you consider conceiving a child. You don't, it's not when the baby is born and there are things you will do for your child that you will not do for yourself. And so even if you are this people pleaser who just doesn't want to rock the boat and just would never tell anybody anything, you know, if you see your kid get, um, you know, pushed on the playground, you'll be surprised how fast you jump up and, you know, tell somebody something or a teacher that's not much treating them right or these other things. So I want to say to start tapping into that as soon as treatment starts and know that when you are advocating for yourself, you are advocating for your child's mother. You are advocating for your child. You are their vessel. They are coming through you. And 
if you feel like you can't really do this for yourself, consider this baby, which that happened to me after our IVF cycle. I got a positive pregnancy test and I was super nervous because of the miscarriage. And so I wanted the blood test early and I knew they would say no because they told me to wait till Monday and it was Friday. So I just went there and sat in the waiting room and I'm like, I'm not going to leave until I get a blood test. <laughs> like, what, do, do I care that they thought I was a raging bitch? A little bit. You like it like a three, you know, do I care what they thought of me or that they're talking about me in a lunchroom? Me, a three. How much do I care about knowing this baby is okay and where I'm at with this? And, you know, a 10. It outweighed it. And so those are the moments that once you do them and the world doesn't end and you realize, you know, who cares about them compared to your child? You, 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 it gets easier to start making those hard decisions and saying, you know, what you want for you and your future family. Yeah. I think we need to reframe it as well because kind of like what you were saying, Emma, is that the point when you get to a fertility clinic is almost like the point where you often think, you're admitting that you're a failure. You're saying like, shit, I've tried this on my own and it's not working. But no one's ever broken the record for the 100 metres sprints on their own. Like, so no one's ever done it. They have coaches, they have nutritionists, they have physiotherapists, they have doctors, they have all sorts of people that sometimes think like there are things in life that we just need to call in a team for. Um, and so instead of going into the fertility clinics feeling like a failure, I want us to feel empowered that actually I'm bringing in an expert team to come and work on this challenge with me. And I'm going to think about things with a rational mind rather than feeling like a failure. And I'm going to start advocating as a paying freaking customer for what I feel like I deserve for my money. Yeah, because for me, when I was going through donor eggs, I literally, like people would look at me going, they didn't even know what a donor egg was. This is like 18 years ago. My daughter's like almost 18. So now it's obviously more common, but I was by myself. People are like, I don't even know what you're doing. And I had no team and there was no counseling. There was like, the counseling was like 10 minutes about like me filling some forms out. There was nothing. There was not even like, people are like, are you going to tell your children donor eggs? And there was no books written about it back then. You know, now there's all sorts of things to help. And like my wake up call didn't come till years later. So my health took a nosedive. And then I was forced to look at all, all this stuff. But during that, I was completely clueless, had no team, um, and was just like very, I really was very naive. And I was like, but luckily enough, it, it worked for me. But then my come to Jesus moment was like, years later, when my health went down the, you know, down the tubes. And I'm like, you know, how am I, you know, what am I, what's, what's happening? So I, I think it kind of, It'll come, I guess right now we're sharing with you to hopefully to say, look, let's look, assemble the team now, deal with your shit before the children come, because then you'll be a, you know, more equipped as a mother and hopefully you work through some of these, these issues um, because they'll keep popping up and those kids will just, you know, push every last button. And uh, <laughs> if you haven't worked on some of your stuff, it will just be magnified.
Yeah, I um, I definitely feel that we are very sensitive. And I know when we were all going through our journey, like the last thing you wanted anyone to say to you was like, wait till you'll have kids. And um, it is really frustrating. But I know anyone who follows me, I mean, my, that's my biggest thing. Like I always say that if I didn't deal with my shit before, um, I would have been a really bad mom <laughs> like I really believe that like I just wouldn't have the patience that you need and I would have just yeah it, it is so much more important than just getting that positive pregnancy test right like there's so much more on the line and that's including mental and your physical health you know it does matter what you are physically like um before you get pregnant during your pregnancy and then therefore your postpartum health. And then like you, Sarah, you saw it, it just declined more and more and more. And then all of a sudden you're this really sick person with these babies that you were so desperate for. And then all of a sudden you can't be doing the things you should be doing with them. And so it, it does matter and it does add up. Yeah. I had that. I've, I've since heard about postpartum rage. Like I, I don't know if I was raging, but I was a irritable, asshole like I just was just cranky I was not happy um and but I was happy obviously that my my daughter was there but I just was not in a good a good space and then both my kids had food sensitivities all that sort of stuff you know later years later so I didn't work on any of this stuff and didn't even know there was a thing you know anything I could do about it so um but you know better you do better and Yeah, well, I, I, kind of, I think it is, it is boot camp, isn't it? And I, I know lots of you know that I, you know, I was just in hospital with my daughter over the summer, and it is all that stuff that I learn during that fertility journey because going, I, I think I was a good girl before my fertility journey, <laughs> but now I, it is that thing of like I will ask the questions, I will make sure I keep the paperwork, I will call to account, not in a deliberately confrontational way, but in terms of kind of claiming, claiming your own power and, and feeling yourself as a powerful person, not, not um, yeah, and, and having, having, I know it's a cliche, isn't it, having a voice, no. <laughs> but it is your body, it is your body that's there, your body is under discussion, so let your, let your soul and psyche be there too, don't let people discuss your body over the top of you, um, and I, I really, I think it's, yeah, you know, they won't do that to me anymore. And now you're naughty. Emma. Now <laughs> you're a naughty. Girl. Now I am a naughty girl. And for me, yeah, to feel empowered, if it's like kind of like I'm saying a subset, maybe that someone may not have someone in authority, perhaps you know, a, a physician or something that may they may not agree with me. But I think of all like if I've listened to a podcast where other people are like saying this, other smart doctors are saying this is the way to look at things, this is the way to do it. Then then I can be, I feel more empowered because I'm like, oh, I've got other. I'm, just by myself I've got other people saying it because sometimes saying what we want could be scary if you're trying to please people you know whatever it may be um but that's to know there's other people that actually think I was really nervous uh, my story I guess of advocating for myself was so I was like a total wreck up until I had after I had my miscarriage and it was after I had my miscarriage they didn't do any tests because standard even in Australia is we wait for multiple miscarriages and I went to my GP so like my regular doctor and I just said you know what I'd hate for this to be like low iron or low vitamin d or something like that let's 
could you just run just a few basic tests? And because I had um, become vegan on my fertility journey, the second that you say, I'll oh, just have, just give me another iron test. Everyone's like, no problems. Um, even though my iron was the best it had ever been. But it turns out that my GP, Laura, had, without me knowing, run this test called an ANA test, which was anti-nuclear antibodies tests if your immune system is switched on. I didn't know she was running that test. She called me back and said, actually, it's shown positive. And she said, I'm just going to forward it on to your fertility specialist because it might be, this might actually be something of relevance. I had that this confrontation with my fertility specialist, who is a great fertility specialist. Uh, on my next appointment, he was like, why did you run these tests? You know that we ran these a year ago, don't you? Like we've just, we've run these tests already. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I was like, I just thought, you know, being vegetarian and all, just thought I'd get a few tests. Uh, and that kind of, you know, like you find ways to say things that kind of shut people up. And he was like, Mm, well, it's showing up that you've got positive a positive ANA result. So we'll just test that again. You probably just got a cold. And lo and behold, and so a year ago when they ran the tests, my ANA was not switched on. It's my firm belief that the stress that I was on triggered this inflammation in my body and that you know we couldn't conceive for other reasons there were other things that we sorted out along the way but that's my firm belief they retested me and it showed an even higher result right but unbeknownst to me they then ran a whole bunch of other tests which i later found out because i got the bill in the mail for them um, which came back that they couldn't find out what was going on but that my next cycle they put me on prednisolone and aspirin uh, and that's how I had Chloe. Wow. Fast forward to Olivia. Mm -hmm. And they ran the ANA test again and, and it was still positive. Like sometimes, like your story is the same, Monica. Sometimes it takes years sometimes to correct autoimmune stuff. And so that my ANA test was still positive. This is why I'm thankful for conventional medicine because I didn't have, you know, like I was 34 at the time I was trying to conceive Olivia. Uh, so I didn't really, I felt like my clock was ticking and it took me a while to have Chloe. So I was like, no, I want the prednisolone and aspirin again. That's what worked with Chloe. Like it worked. Like, no, we'll just do aspirin this time. And I had a failed cycle. And the next cycle, I was like, no, you're putting me on prednisolone. And I just called the nurse. I was like, no, no, you need to check with the doctor. I'm going on prednisolone. Like this is happening. And then they did it. And Olivia. So you know, like you don't have to be the absolute expert and the doctor to do it, but you just have to sometimes nudge yourself in the right direction. And like Emma was saying, feel powerful. Like this is your body, your instincts, just like you were saying, Devin, the second that you, you know, think about becoming a mother, that's when you're a mama bear. Like you've got those instincts. You want this baby to happen. Like, you know, you are the one that has the power to, you know, make changes to make this happen. Rant over. <laughs> right for the rant. Get off your soapbox now. <laughs> we like being on our soapboxes quite a lot though. Um, just because I wish someone else was on their soapbox during my journey, you know, like it is this like, no, take control, 
do what you need to do for your journey. And like you said, Devin, like who gives a shit what they think? Like they're not going to even remember you in a few years time anyways, maybe even a few months. And if they do good, because then you can write them a letter and go, I told you I was fucking right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They need to have that greeting card. Like, never mind these blank thank you cards. <laughs> like, just sincere RE. Like, how about I told you, motherfucker? <laughs> greeting card blank on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's go round robin in the um, what's your number one advice for being your own advocate in the doctor's office? Go ahead, Devin. So I think to wrap up everything we've been saying is to step into your own power. This journey is about who you're becoming and that's who you need to become to be the best version of yourself, who you need to become to be a mother to your future children. And you are going to be presented with a lot of opportunities and it's just a small decision in that moment to do what you know is right and to step into who you're becoming and just embrace that. Nice. Uh, Sarah? Yeah, that's my, one of my quotes. I like is to, to let your body will whisper to you. When you ignore the signals, it'll start shouting in the form of disease. So really like, listen to it, wait to your body, listen to yourself. Like if, sometimes you got to get really quiet to listen to that voice of what you need. And then, yeah, being able, and if, and if speaking up by yourself feels hard, kind of listen to this 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 podcast listen to other people that are like to to, to that you have a team with you that you're not alone yeah great emma i think it's take your time and that can be all sorts of things so it might be it might be literally not having to take the first appointment or say actually that doesn't suit me because or when they're calling you in i used to do things like when they call me in i would just walk you know they try and hurry you up the corridor I would deliberately walk slowly to remind myself, this is my appointment. This is my time. And to kind of, and if you don't understand, to go, hang on a minute, sorry, because they're trying to wrap it up. Sorry, can we just go through that again? Because I'm not quite sure. And so I think those kind of, like, those are sort of tactics, isn't it? But I think also to take, take your time in terms of if they're calling you back in for a meeting, like a, a, a post-cycle meeting, if you don't feel ready to have that meeting, say that. I don't, I don't feel ready to do that in a moment because it's your cycle and it's your time. I think I would start by saying, like, act like the paying customer that you are. Like, if you were in any other transaction, if you were in a restaurant and you had a terrible meal or something like that, you know, you would say something. If you were waiting for a long time, you would say something. You're a paying customer. You are the person who has the power. Start by just asking for a printout of your results so that you can see things for yourself, so that you are putting yourself in that position of power. Just like Emma said, take your time at the appointments, sit and write notes, ask them to explain things again, but act like the paying customer. And you know, like it's a lot of money. You deserve time, you deserve an explanation. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, there's a wide range of people listening, some people who are paying for everything. And then like, if you're in the UK, you're paying kind of for nothing for some of us, you know, when we're starting to go for this and we do feel really rushed, I think in both, you know, all the doctors I feel now are like, okay, 15 minutes and that's it. Um, so I would say, call them back, 
Like if you get this appointment and you leave and you don't know what was said or you're not happy with what was said, you know, call them back and re-ask questions or rebook the same appointment and go, okay, I want 30 minutes with you. So I have to therefore book two appointments with you. Um, and just, you know, have that power, like all you guys say, to take control over this situation because it is your life. It is the future of the family that you want. So it actually really rests on you. You can't blame anyone else when it's not going correctly because like I think Seven said before, um, even there's so much knowledge out there now. There's no excuse. You know, you go to any one of our Instagrams or our websites, you can basically get a load of amazing information on how to change your situation without paying anyone a dime. So there's just no, for me, there's no excuse now at all. I think for our journeys, like we kind of get a hall pass. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's, it's really the time now is just to start taking control of things and work with your, your group, with your circle, with your doctors. Um, so yeah, thank you so much ladies for coming together and doing this. This is like super exciting. I love it. And I really hope that, um, you know, at least one person listens to this and feels the power to, you know, take control of their journey and let us know, you know, if you have a situation that's going on and you take control, email us, drop us a link in the comments. You know, we want to hear these success, success stories, um, of women doing this. And so and sorry we want questions too yeah <laughs> we definitely love yes. we love questions yeah um yeah so any email any of us we don't really have like one place that you can come and ask maybe we should set that up but that's like kind of the last thing i want right now in my life is another fucking facebook group and i'm sure many people feel the same way but it might happen and yeah, we are hoping to do this at least once a month and if um, maybe get some special guests on. And yeah, if you have any questions that you would like us to discuss, um, send them our way. So goodbye for this month and we will see you next time. This episode of The Infertile Diagnosis is brought to you by the Fertility Reconnect course. Brought to you by me, Monica Cox from MyMindfulMe.com. Now this course is the course that I would have died for during my infertility years. If you are dealing with unexplained infertility or if you know you have an autoimmune issue, including thyroid issues, this is the course that's going to get really down to what is going on in your body. We're going to discover together what food you cannot eat and what food you can eat. We're going to work on our mental health and we're going to work together to build new, long-lasting, healthy routines and habits. So head over to the website, mymindfulme.com. Pre-register and get on the list to be one of the first in line. There's only 25 seats available on this course. We're going to have registration on December 1st for two weeks and then the course actually starts on January 4th. So head over to the website for more information. And while you're there, you could become a Mindful Me member for free. And you can actually check out the course and have exclusive access before it goes live. So once again, head over to mymindfulme.com and check out the Fertility Reconnect course.